Should you do IVF? That is a question that I wrestled with for a long time. There was actually years in the process of us making the decision to move forward with IVF on our own conceiving journey. So today in this episode, I want to talk about that question. Should you take that step and pursue IVF? What are some ins and outs, FAQs about IVF, things that I would do differently, things that I may regret, things that I wish I had known, the whole process, like costs, all the kind of things that I feel like I got questions about prior to my journey. I want to go through those questions today with you in today's episode. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. Okay, so let's talk about should you do IVF? I cannot answer that question for you. Unfortunately, I wish that I could be like, yes, you, no, you don't. Like God has this for you, but I cannot say that. And I do believe without a shadow of a doubt that IVF is one of those processes that um, is a good fit for some people and it's not a good fit for others. It is dependent on each couple. And I do believe that God will reveal what decisions to make and what steps to take as you are on this conceiving journey. A hundred percent believe that when we are pursuing him, he will make our paths straight. That's scripture. So if you have been feeling just that decision fatigue that comes with trying to conceive of, okay, do we do this again? Do we do this? Do we try that? Do we go this route? There are starting to become a lot more options and treatment ideas and protocols and holistic approaches that sometimes it can just be overwhelming. So I want to just do one episode dedicated on IVF from a Christian lens with scripture as I can to just basically give you a breakdown of how Josh and I made our decision and things that um, basically just a Q&A around IVF that I've been asked over the years. So first of all, we did not say yes to IVF when we were first told that we should step into that. And this is something that I'm actually writing a little bit about in a sneak peek devotional that I am writing, uh, which is so exciting. (laughs) More about that later. But basically, Josh and I were told probably two or three years into our TTC journey to pursue IVF. We had done two IUIs at that point. They obviously were recommending a third, which is very common. Do three IUIs and then move on to IVF. I feel like that's kind of the standard protocol. 
uh, within more conventional focused treatment. And so for us, I just kind of felt like I'm wasting money. That's how I felt, honestly. I just felt like I was throwing money down the drain doing the IUIs because we didn't have clear perspective or direction or reasons why we couldn't get pregnant. And so in my head, I'm like, if this is not working and we don't know why it's not working and we don't know that this can work, why are we doing this? And I felt like I would get my hopes up every time and then they would just be totally dashed when I found out, you know, I wasn't pregnant. So we decided not to do the third IUI. And I moved back overseas. Josh was already overseas at the time um, for basketball. That was his career prior to us moving to Maui, Hawaii. And so I went overseas with him. I joined him. We kind of just put our fertility journey on hold as far as treatments and options go. And we were just like, we're just going to continue trusting the Lord. And every single month, we're going to try and we're going to give it to the Lord. And if he has it for us, great. If not, then we will revisit this whole you know, treatment option when we get back to the States, which pretty much happens every summer. So like pretty much a year goes by every time that we would have the opportunity, both the time and the location to pursue any type of treatments, further treatments. So doing things from overseas was not ideal and obviously prolonged our journey a lot than if we had probably lived in the States during the time of our trying to conceive journey. So we said no, and we just went on our way. And a couple years later, we were still getting a no from the Lord when we would think about doing IVF. And I just had no peace about it. Honestly, that's like the best explanation I can give. I think sometimes people are like, well, why not? It's like, well, honestly, God speaks through peace and he is not a God of fear. He's not a God of tactics that are going to give you anxiety and whatnot. And so I feel like if you're feeling those things, those are some questions to lean into to pray through. And for us, Josh and I both just did not have peace for years that we prayed over doing IVF. And it wasn't like we prayed about it once and then we had no peace. So we just never revisited the conversation again. We had that conversation I would say like once a quarter where we would kind of revisit it and be like, okay, should we pursue that? Should we consider this? And it wasn't until we moved to Hawaii. um, We were, I think, at this point, four or five years into our conceiving journey, still not one positive pregnancy. Like I didn't have any miscarriages. I didn't have any pregnancies. I, at this point, had never gotten pregnant on our own on my own or period. (laughs) And so we were like, okay, we're going to a new location. We're going to be kind of settled in community and building our life now that we're going to be in one place and not traveling for basketball anymore. So let's revisit this conversation. And so we did. And we felt like, okay, let's move ahead with this. There was a couple of things that went into that, finances, location, stability, community, like all of that. Everything just felt like a yes. So then, even after that feeling of yes or peace, God told us to wait again. And we had just total confirmation that like IVF might be a yes, but it wasn't time to do IVF yet. We, God ended up causing us to wait a full another year. So the whole process of like, should you do it? Should you not do it? How do you decide if you should do it? 
I think it comes down to what you have tried. What are your providers saying? What are your resources? So financially, community, support, all that kind of stuff plays into it. I think that there's things that God does speak on in scripture about being a good steward of our finances, our bodies, our times, our jobs, all these things. So like all of that is going to go into play in making your decision. And so finally, after, you know, I think we were five, six years into our journey, God gave us that green light and we did move forward with the IVF process. So going back, this actually all happened during COVID, which was wild, but kind of a blessing in disguise. So everything was shut down. And I actually, the way that Hawaii had worked out is like if you left the island and went to a different island, you had to quarantine for two weeks coming back to the island. So our clinic was not actually on Maui. They were on Oahu. So when I went there for the egg retrieval, I had to quarantine for two weeks after the egg retrieval. So there was like a lot of like crazy loopholes that we went through during this process. But the process essentially is you do a lot of blood work. We did an egg retrieval. We did an ERA mock cycle transfer. So that's basically where they do everything of the transfer, like a real transfer, except actually transferring the embryo. And then they're testing your body on a certain day to make sure that they have the best window for implantation. We did do genetic testing. So there's different phases of IVF. And one of the questions that I've gotten before is like, how much does that cost? And it depends on any add-ons that you do. So IVF can range significantly depending on your decision of like what extras you add on. And that was something that like I put down in my like things I didn't know or expect was the extra expenses that could add up that were like basically you come to a crossroads, they tell you, okay, you could do this or this and here's the cost option instead of like being presented with all that information at the beginning because sometimes something could come up and it would be like, oh, we actually need to make a pivot here and the doctors will make a pivot and that will cost more money, right? So that was something I was not really aware of or prepared for when stepping into IVF. So that would be something I would want to share with somebody who's pursuing it and, and you know, kind of looking into it is that plans do change quickly. There can be some big delays. There can be things that happen in your transfer or your retrieval or your cycle that will delay things or just create extra expenses. And that's important to be mindful and aware of and know and like open handed with. So for us, because we had, I had a lot of eggs that they got in the retrieval. However, not many of them fertilized. And then of like the eight or 11 that fertilized, only one made it to the genetic testing. And that's like a significant rate of attrition. So like they do tell you there's going to be a a rate of attrition, which means like all numbers will start high, but each step will kind of like wean out and you'll lose, you'll, it'll drop a little bit. And so we were prepared for that, but we were not prepared for just one coming back. And that was why they recommended the mock transfer, which is what we did end up doing. We had always planned on doing genetic testing simply because I wanted to know what I was going into as far as our chances. It wasn't going to change our decision to actually transfer the embryo, but it was going to give us just, I feel like, mental ability to 
prepare ourselves for any kind of result. And we had a lot of people around us who had gone through IVF and they did not do the genetic testing. And as a result, like we're devastated to have miscarriages or have things that like if they had done that, it might have revealed that that could be a higher possibility. So I was just kind of in the mindset of like, if we're spending all this money, (laughs) I want to know how good my chances are. And the reality is like, I've also had friends who did genetic testing. They had the best embryo possible to be put, you know, to be implanted and it did not stick. It didn't work. So it's like nothing is a shoe and nothing is a guarantee. But I think for us just personally and just like my personality, I wanted to do genetic testing and have the whole lay of the land going into transfer. So we did do the mock transfer and paid for that out of pocket because that was something our doctors recommended after realizing like, wow, only one embryo came from this. And looking at the cycle as a whole, they felt like it was important to kind of do further testing and know exactly what was going on and know when, like we had one shot to make this work. So they wanted to know exactly when to transfer and make sure that I wasn't the rare case that needed to be transferred a couple days late or whatever. So basically, the mock transfer is going to help them identify when the best time for the uterine lining is to actually transfer the embryo. But it's expensive because even if your insurance covers part of your IVF, they're not going to cover that. And then they also like it, you're paying for all of the same meds that you take on the actual transfer. So essentially, it's like having two transfers back to back. And so, yeah, that was pretty much how it went, how the process went and what we what decisions we made along the way. One of the concerns that we did have that kind of made us nervous to pursue IVF was the concern that we would have all these embryos. We'd have like more embryos in the bank than kids we could actually financially support or create in real life, right? So like, Obviously, for us as believers, and according to scripture, we believe in the sanctity of life. We believe in when life starts being at conception, and that's the embryo itself, not when it's implanted in the uterus. And so for us, we were like, these are real babies once they're made. And we were nervous about that. And we didn't want, like, you know, a surplus of embryos that we couldn't financially or physically actually transfer and take care of and give a chance at life. So that was something that was difficult for us to navigate. I will say that my best encouragement, if that's where you're at, is to have a lot of conversations with your medical provider, your specialist, because for us, like we were pretty clear that we did not want that problem. It ended up not happening because obviously that wasn't the Lord's plan for us to have that happen. But you can choose how many eggs you fertilize. So that's an option where you can be like, okay, we only want to fertilize three. Obviously, that could be more expensive because if you don't get anything from those three, you have to go back to the frozen eggs or you have to freeze your eggs and do it all over again. So we were willing to kind of take that risk should it come down to it. But we didn't have that crossroads to face. So we ended up not having to navigate that specific concern that I had going into it. Did I work out during injections and during, you know, the whole procedure? Yes, I did. I continued the workouts that I use even today and I had approval. Like I definitely was an advocate for my mental health and physical health because that's a huge component of all of this. Like my mental health is going to impact the egg quality. My mental health is going to impact 
my body receiving the embryo. So part of mental health for me is physical health. And so I obviously worked with my providers on like what would be the best workouts and what not to do. That's why I love my app because, and I'll link, you know, it below if you want to get access to it, but basically it gives options for low impact workouts, high impact workouts, strength training, whatever. So for me, I just was very intentional about doing low impact during like times where my body wasn't feeling great, but I was never told not to work out. So I think it's wild that like some people are told not to, because I truly feel like what's worse mentally and physically not feeling your best going through the process or like the risk that the low impact workout could create stress on your body, which is actually not really possible in that particular case. So I did continue to work out and I loved it. I did not actually work out on the day of retrieval and transfer because obviously there was protocols around that and just kind of like being a couch potato essentially. And so that's kind of the approach that I took. Regrets and things that I would do differently. I wish that I would have worked with a naturopath, holistic doctor during and before egg retrieval to prepare and support my body holistically. That's something that like now having done that, conceiving baby number two, I wish I would have had some kind of approach and advocate on that end of things because my cycle was so weird. It was so weird. Like the doctor was even like, I've never seen anything like it, Courtney. Like you had these eggs. And then when we inseminated them, they like just disintegrated. It was like the quality wasn't there. And it's like, that is something that holistically, like a naturopath can help you support that and change that and, and create a different outcome even. So that is something I do regret. I didn't know that was a thing. I wasn't quite into my crunchy lifestyle yet. I feel like all of that came once I became pregnant. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to clean up my whole life. Like, because I didn't want, I don't want Highland to go through infertility like we have. And that is something that I do believe, like, lifestyle and diet and toxins and all that kind of stuff do play, have played a role in our journey. I want to be preventative in protecting her and her health. And so my crunchy side of life really started with choosing a home birth with her and then moving on. So I didn't know that was really an option. And that's why I loved having Dr. Zen on, you know, a couple episodes ago, who was my naturopath this past time to just discuss what that looks like, because we don't always know what our options are until we're given them. And there's a perfect place for everybody. So like, there was a perfect place for my IVF team and clinic. And then there's a perfect place for an advocate like a naturopath who's going to look a little bit more fine-tuned and and help the IVF journey, right? And then another thing that I wish I would have done differently is have some kind of fertility coach. That is something that I am opening up the doors to. You can send me an email down below if that's something that you're interested in doing or getting in having a fertility coach. And that's basically your advocate and your mental and spiritual guide. And I that sounds so like fluffy. But obviously everything that I do is going to be based on the Bible. So I'm not like a spiritual guide in the sense of like let's talk to your uterus and let's pray to your uterus. We're not going to do that. It's going to be more of like, hey, let's have a conversation about your faith. How's your faith going through this? How's your heart? How are your thoughts? Are we taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to the truth? as you're making these decisions with your spouse, as you're going through and navigating your own conceiving journey and making a plan for yourself, is your heart, mind, and spirit 
healthy and I'm going to be coaching you as your fertility coach to provide that emotional, mental, spiritual support that you need to be healthy, to be able to make all of, you know, whatever your plan is successful. So I didn't know that was a thing either until recently. And I'm, I'm so passionate about this kind of coach work because I've obviously been coaching women in this capacity, just not specifically tied to fertility for the last eight years. And now having my fertility journey, being able to offer that service to other women who need someone who's going to be like their spiritual encouragement, basically like their mentor through their journey to help them navigate hiccups that come up to basically be kind of like their life coach, except specifically on their fertility journey, I think would have just been super powerful to help me process, continue to make decisions with discernment, but also like come out the other side in a healthy state of mind so that I could step into motherhood without the weight of the grief that was still kind of like trying to conceive era. So if you're interested in that type of coaching, I will have that service available in the coming weeks. You can send me an email and inquire about that, what that would look like to work with me as your fertility coach. I would absolutely love to do that. So those were a few of the questions. So like IVF process, how does it work? How did we decide to do IVF? Things I didn't expect. Did I work out? How much does it cost? Regrets? All that kind of stuff. And then something else that I wish more people knew or understood, that was a question I got as well, is you have full control over your cycle. And I know a lot of people, like, for example, men to be able to do their part are basically told to go into a room, masturbate and to a cup and give it to the doctors. And that was something that Josh and I draw a firm, hard line on. And we're like, no, that goes against what we believe scripture says. And so we were very clear that we are going to go into this room together. We are going to work together to be able to, you know, have the man do his part. And we're going to do this in a way that honors God. And I know that's like very uncomfortable to talk about because I think that's obviously a very private thing. But scripture is pretty clear about how we should treat our bodies with purity, especially within marriage. And that was one area where I think a lot of people don't know that you can draw lines within your cycle. Like this is your cycle. You have control. You have to be your own advocate. You have to be the advocate that makes decisions according to how you would honor God through this process and not just let what they think is normal or what they typically do dictate your decisions. So I don't know if that's helpful for anyone. Obviously, like for me, I didn't even know that was an option until I was just like, okay, well, that's not something we're going to do. So then I I just have a personality that's like, this is how we're going to do it. And so that like pushiness, I guess, if you will, kind of won out in our favor to like help us live in a way that maybe a lot of people don't know they can honor God in the IVF cycle. So just want to share that too, because I think that's something that like I wish I would have known earlier because maybe I wouldn't have been so afraid to do it, worried about like how it would impact things or just like our faith journey being intentional to live above reproach. So, and then I think one of the last questions I've gotten before is just like IVF versus IUI. So IVF is going to be a lot more invasive. It is a very clear strategy to 
basically take out sperm and egg, put it in the safest environment to try to like encourage conception. Obviously, they cannot force that. Like even my doctor was like, you know, we inseminate the egg and it disintegrated. So like conception is still a miracle of God's grace to be able to like allow conception to happen. And so then it's all done like in the lab. Then once they have the embryo, they're going to just throw a catheter into your uterus and basically implant it into the uterine wall. So the egg retrieval is probably the most physically invasive part of the whole process because you go under. I mean, I went under. I don't know if every single person goes under, but I went under. So it's like a surgery, essentially. And then they gave me like juice and animal crackers. And I was like on cloud nine because I was like all loopy from the drugs. But I was like, this is the best. Like, I love animal crackers. So the egg retrieval was probably the hardest part. And then for us, like just having delay, delay, delay. So like we did the egg retrieval back in October, I think of like 2019, no, 2020, something like that. And then 2021, yeah, that's right. 2021 of April, we transferred. So we had like months of delays, months of yellow lights. And then January, 2022, we birthed Thailand. And that was our little, our little IVF baby. Another thing that uh, something I wish I would have known is that states have different rules and protocols and rules of thumb for financial support. So that's definitely something to look into. In California, we didn't really have the option as much as Hawaii, where like we were able to prove that our journey, we had been going on this journey for X amount of time. And that was how we were able to get some financial support for one round of IVF through the state. So that's pretty cool that that's like an option in some states. So I would definitely do some research. I think it's called like mandate state or something like that. Definitely explore that. I do think it's like a one hit wonder though. So like you can't, I don't believe I can do it like again and get that financial support, but every little bit helps. So definitely explore that. I hope that this episode was helpful. If you've been considering IVF, if it has been, I would love to hear a review from you. You can go ahead and do that down below in the show notes, or even just shoot me an email or tag us on Instagram at the waiting well podcast. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple podcast at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn with Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.